For my people in the front, in the nosebleed section. Hello and welcome to Brat Talk. We haven't been here in a while. It's been, I don't know, a year and a half. And so after a lot of you bitched at me a lot at webraptalk at gmail.com, um, my sweet wife, Anne, hashtag team Anne, as y'all like to call her, convinced me to rethink this whole thing and kind of put it back together. Uh, my, I'll, you know what? Not my, it's everybody's. Our dear friend Jensen has moved on to other things and this isn't really fitting within his life. He's, he's really busy. He has taken on the role of being an awesome, believe it or not, dad, uh, and a partner to someone. And he's living his life out in California. And, um, I, I would rather bring him on as a guest one day and have him tell his own story. So that's as much as I'm going to say about Jensen. I mean, some, I miss him a lot dearly. I don't get to see him daily. I don't get to have these conversations with him, but, uh, I told him, Hey, I want to restart this thing. Let me, let me do it without you. And then I'll bring you on once in a while. And he was like, great, do your thing. So. I thought I'd do a little bit different and go way old school and kind of go full circle and bring on an old familiar voice. Who am I talking to today? Quentin Wilson. Quentin motherfucking Wilson. <laughs> We're allowed to cuss? Okay, we are. Oh, thank God. Wait, I, who, who doesn't let you cuss? I, cuss, cuss. If I remember correctly, well, I've been around a lot of that recently. Where, <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, I don't want to be horrible about it but it is nice to throw an f-bomb out of it you know it's just it's healthy i feel like it's good for mental health it, it certainly is 100 percent. I thought, I thought you know free freedom of speech i feel like you should be able to throw an f-bomb in here once in a while especially considering the audience i mean i guess they're very sensitive it, it can be <laughs> somebody brought it up to me recently talking about youtube videos that they love to be able to just be watching a youtube video with their kids around and not have to sweat it. And I'm like, ah, that was the first time and the only yeah. time it ever clicked where it was like, okay, fair enough. Like you, that's, that is the only, because I'm not used to that. I, I'm not, I don't have kids. I'm we don't not, have kids. Right. I'm, I don't yeah. ever have to consider We're that. a bunch of dirty, rotten motorcyclists. <laughs> right. So yeah. Anyway, it's nice to be able to do that for sure. And it's really quite good to be back and be in this realm, even though this is a very bizarre, like the cognitive dissonance of this with you is is heavy like it's like i'm in having a mic in front of my face for the first time what it's been for me five or six or seven or something years. 2018 yeah. was the last time i heard your voice okay come through the podcast realm because once you left two enthusiasts you started your own for a minute uh, but only like for an episode or two because right. i had a i have a friend that's into MotoGP heavily and we want to do a thing but then life happens it's too complicated and i didn't do it then I did. I was on a couple of podcasts, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't listen to podcasts. This is the, this is the, the horrible irony. It is, it is an awesome irony to me. <laughs> and and so there was this one gentleman on the East Coast. He does touring stuff, and I now I'm only thinking about it now because we're talking about it. I haven't thought of this in years. He was a really nice person. I think he was in some BMW club or whatever. Uh, and then this group of people that are in the Bay Area, they had me on to talk about Moto Sizz. And this was like huh. four or five years ago. Bringing up old history. Right? So they, I think that was the deal. Anyway, so that's the only time I've had my voice on radio-like thing. For oh, and you have such a beautiful face and a lovely <laughs> voice for, for radio. So, yeah, definitely the great you know, face for radio. We for definitely sure. got to try and use it as much as we can. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you and I kind of chatted idly about, you know, potentially bringing it back where we put our voices back out into the ether of whoever it is that's listening to us. I, I still don't know. Who listens to us? It's a it's a bizarre thing. I, it's so bizarre. I it, th that said, 
every year, multiple times a year, I'll be in some motorcycle thing yep. and somebody will either recognize my voice or do that. <laughs> Wait a second. Why, why, why do I recognize yeah, your you know, voice? Like, and then, <laughs> then we'll start going down the wall. Have you ever, and it'll be Ducati or Alta Motors or whatever the motorcycle right. thing that I've been involved with. And then I said, well, had you ever listened to podcasts? There, there, there it is. That's how you know me. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's so funny. For a hot minute, there wasn't that many options out there. And I do see there's more. But in all the various myriad emails that I've gotten, I kind of get the feeling that a lot of people haven't found another way, yeah. another resource. And so you and I were asking this question earlier. You know, what is your resource? Where are you getting your motorcycle content from? In fact, email me, webraptalk at gmail.com. Tell me where you're at. I'm kind of curious. Quentin, where are you getting your stuff from? I pretty much only get from Instagram, like on a daily. Yeah. And I'm careful about it because it's like I can't follow all the racing people I want to follow but from a racing standpoint. This right. MotoGP. That's what I'm into the most because then you end up getting spoilers. So yeah. I don't follow that that much, but off season. So I'd have to, I, I don't even know, right? I'd have to see what I do. But as far as for like motorcycle stuff, I try and follow the. I guess motorcyclist or cycle world, but none of these archaic dinosaur people know how to function <laughs> in a realm of people that, especially somebody like me, I'm a, I'm a Gen X millennial person. So yeah. I can, I, I shape shift into the millennial, which means I'm, I'm looking at Instagram. You can press the buttons, right? You're not afraid All of, of buttons. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I'm still Gen X enough to be a Luddite to where I'm like, I don't want to listen to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, it's so funny. Anna's <laughs> like that. I'm always surprised that she doesn't listen to podcasts. She's very heavily involved in modern history and politics. And there was a lot of that. It's too much. And that could be so much of part that. of the issue with the motorcycle thing is I've heard a lot that just too many people that frankly don't know what they're talking about. And all you need is the microphone and the and a little bit of uh, media savvy right. and uh, right? It doesn't take a whole lot to get into it. And now there's jokes about how you've got to prevent the, these people, mainly the <laughs> mainly the average white dude like oh me, from from making another <laughs> podcast at all. Uh, right at all costs, we have to keep it's, this from happening. It's so funny because I've heard Anne say that so many times, and then she's the one that's pushing us to be like, you guys should get back on the podcast. Yeah, but video. you're not an average white guy. and I'm, I'm an average brown guy, you know. <laughs> right? I'm just kind of an off-kilter long hair, maybe. I don't really know. You're, you're a very good voice for the voiceless, Quentin. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, that is part of the deal. I, I feel like, yes, there's certain times that I feel like I should be a bit of a voice for the voiceless because I can be um, kind of a the, the the white guy whisperer being from Central Texas. <laughs> I like it. You, you, you laugh, but seriously, because, well, I get it. because I can, what I think, what do the kids call it? Code shift or code switch from being See, like, I'm not cool enough for that. I don't know what that means. Well, it's, it's basically uh, somebody could approach me on the street and not assume that I'm a bedwetting liberal. Like they might uh, think that I'm on the Trump does and Z. It, does the twang come out like when you're in Texas? Not, it's not a twang though. Right? Really? Right? No. Like you put on your but, boots. Uh, what well, one time I that's was your going, Western? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but that's true, right? That's for sure. That adds to it. One time I was rolling up to buy kerosene for for a heater, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this is in Portland. And I roll up, and it's a very specific. T there's only like one place in North Portland you can do it. And right. I roll up in my truck, my 1984 F-150, and I roll up. And this dude starts talking massive amounts of shit about 
whatever it is, is I tell you li- what. liberals and gas and whatever the thing was. And I'm just, I just want my kerosene and I know when to, when to engage and when not to engage. And I didn't engage, but I let him keep going. And I'm like, I'm a decoy. I am now, now and whatever it is in 2024, long hair used to be, oh, that's a hippie. Yeah. Now, no. it, it's, you yeah. drive an F-150, yep. you must be a redneck. Ooh, I right? tell you what. You're right. So anyway, that's that's the type of uh, you, Except thing. you've got the kind of F-150 that's got a sticker in the back that's like, tell your cat I said, pss, pss. <laughs> Which I would really like. I'd really <laughs> I know like what to get for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so you've been gone from the, let's call it the, social media voice <laughs> podcast world for a while now, but you've been busy. You're sure. So, You're sure. I'm sure. Okay. I'm positive. Sure. It's the name of the mics. So you, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's really good. Um, you've been busy. I have. Oh, you and I keep running into each other in weird places like Coda and the uh, Monterey. Oh and yeah. Ridge. Yeah. Right. You were out there doing some cool shit. Uh, yeah, but it's been a very busy past few years, but the last year, I guess that'd probably be the, make the most sense to not bore everybody would be, I started working back in the racing realm for the first time in like 16 years where I was a technician for a race team. And I had been playing in the racing world, uh, working for Ducati. I was at racetracks, et cetera, but I raced myself a few times back about a decade ago. That was the last time I was in the at the time, it was still called the AMA paddock. That's right. Now, it's the Moto America paddock. So, I'd done that, and then I'd done a bunch of, like, Pikes Peak stuff with Ducati over the years, but that was it. That would be the only, and, like, one week of Pikes Peak is, like, probably four race weekends in a normal It's round, a lot. Because it's, it's a gnarly a lot, thing. Yeah. So, that was that was it. That would be the, the only uh, experience I had. Um, I had a situation where I was working for a company called SW Motec, um, is that Southwest Motec? Yeah, exactly. It is Southwest. <laughs> they're based in Southwest Germany, I think. That's right. right? <laughs> so, right. Um, so anyway, I was there for a long time. And um, that being there made me not want to ever be in a corporate uh, environment ever again. Yeah. I, I, not, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be because it would be dumb to say never. Yeah. But that left me with like, a okay, I've got to figure out a way to do the things I like to do. And, and I mean, I'm not profit motivated, but I need to get paid. So I got to figure bills. out, I got to figure out how to do that. Um, so I started investigating in fall of 2022. Okay. What's out there? Well, you know what? I could, I, maybe I could just go, uh, be a fly in person for a small race team and that'll, pay the bills, oh. uh, not pay the bills. It'll do something. And then I'll, that'll help me find something else. whatever. I was just, right. I right. was ready for the hustle. I was like, you know what? I've got to do something that's different. What was the last time that I was really enjoying myself? Um, and that probably, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have immediately said racing, but I was like, that's something that I miss. Let me, let's give this a try. Put my name out there. And I was thinking, oh, I'll get on a Twins Cup team. So in the racing realm, uh, Moto America, there's Junior Cup, 300cc, Twins Cup, 700cc Twins, Super Sport uh, with 600cc four cylinders and Ducati, whatever it is, uh, sized V2, the V2, which nine, is like nine something, five, three, nine, five, whatever. Seven, so there's like that. that Super Sport and then Super Bike, which is thousand cc. So I was like, maybe I'll find, I'll just be like a wrench on a on a, a Twins Cup team or something. Right. Mainly because of our friend uh, Spiros was running a Twins Cup team. That's right. So I started there, but then unfortunately, his team had kind of uh, dissolved and. 
you know, that was local. I was like, oh, well, it'll be local. Maybe I can also work on the bikes a couple of times. And it's, all I all have to do is drive out to Hillsborough. Scratch ditch. You, right? know? you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So I started looking out. And before I knew it, uh, a couple months into that, I get a call from one of the guys I used to work with at Alta Motors. It was like, hey, Fat Chuck's looking for somebody. And that is not the best way to call somebody. But this was what. This <laughs> Wait, that's his actual nickname? No, well, it was. Right. Oh, no. So in the early 2000s, there was Chuck Graves, who ran Graves Motorsports. Of course. Graves Yamaha. Yep. It was a big deal. Big, big deal. Lots of exhausts were sold through oh, Graves. Yeah. And then there's this gem- gentleman named Chuck Giacchetto. And because he was a bit larger, uh, he was uh. Fat Chuck. And everybody, <laughs> including himself, called him Fat Chuck. You got to so, stand out somehow. Anyway, I, I call Fat Chuck. And I had the conversation. It's hey, PHAT fat <laughs> right? Actually, <laughs> so I, I hey, first is, are you still called Chuck, Fat Chuck? And he's like, Q, you can call me that. Right? <laughs> that you're you're one of the few. It's probably because I'm from the age. Anyway, That's so right. no more Fat Chuck. Uh, Chuck Giacchetto, Chuck uh, Giacomoto. Um, he was looking for um, uh, a technician for uh, the, to fly in for Westby Team Westby. Oh wow! So that was a year ago, uh, and and say November. And that worked out. So I started working for Team Westby as a, a fly-in technician. Mm-hmm. And in that realm, there's one supervisor. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. In that realm, there is, uh, it, this was a very simple team. So it was one rider, Matthew Skultz. And Matthew was on a Yamaha R1 superbike. Yeehaw. And there are, uh, is a team manager that oversees all the stuff, getting the parts, managing the getting the truck to and from the races all that stuff you got a truck driver who helps with uh uh, hospitality then you have a crew chief who is the one that dictates what happens on the motorcycle and under the crew chief is a data engineer who um is the one who uh, downloads all the data and helps the crew chief parse through it and figure out what what's good and what's bad uh that and that's complicated in its own way but data would be throttle traces, um, suspension potentiometers, brake pressure sensors, all the stuff that that uh, gets recorded as the motorcycle is doing a lap. That person then either uh, makes adjustments to the fuel mapping or the engine braking or the torque mapping or whatever the thing, wheelie control, all that stuff uh, at the behest of the crew chief. And then there are two mechanics in this realm that work on the superbike because the superbike's just complicated enough where you need to have somebody on the front and somebody on the back. Ah. And then it also Where's gets, it divide up on the bike? Uh that's funny because it actually goes if you're on the front, it would be front to the left, so the right of the bike. Because the technician that is on the back at at least in our realm was doing the clutch. So maybe I'm wrong. So I'm yeah, if you're on wrong, the bike the left side's the clutch. Yeah, so Whatever it was, he was rear wheel and clutch, and I was front wheel and airbox, uh, and so it got divided up in a weird way. So were way. you in charge of the front brakes and well, actually exactly. braking in general? No, front brakes only, oh. because I never- Oh, that's right, because it's, yeah. it's only front. Yep. He, he would deal with the rear. I mean, that would be a fair question. It's like, okay, your brakes. Not necessarily. Okay. Because if you're having to do this whirling dervish around the bike all the time- Yeah, this trying, dance. You're trying to stay away from each other, which is exceedingly difficult, and I had never done this. Because when I was in, when I worked at Grave, going back to Graves, I worked at Team Graves Yamaha and from like 04 through 07. And I was uh, on the super stock team at the time. Uh, that's another class in Moto America now. It's like stock 1000. But at the okay. time it was called super, super stock 1000. 
So thousand cc bikes, super bikes, but not super bikes, right? So interesting, not confusing at all. No, and now <laughs> this was part of the problem at that time. Right. There were too many classes that were a little bit bleeding in. Simplify, yeah. right? But in order to get these racers to get up from being six hundred, you it's really difficult to justify going from six hundred to thousand, or at least at that time it was. Mm-hmm. So there, there was this in between. It was a thousand stock from thousand. Okay. okay, but because it was stock, you didn't modify a whole lot, right? And that meant that one technician could largely handle most of the stuff, uh, right? And if needed, the crew chief would would step in and help with something. Or to get even more complicated, Graves and Yamaha were Siamese together in such a weird way that the <laughs> riders raced their Superstock 1000s okay. out of the Graves truck. And then they would race the Yamaha 600s because at that time in the early mid 2000s, 600s were more important. They were selling way more of them. That's right. So the factory bikes were the 600s. So those technicians would come over to the uh, to my side to help out, and oh. I would go over to their side when they were on track. Okay. And then I would throw the pit board, which is a large board that shows the times and the lap count or whatever you want to show. A little message to the rider. Little, little message. Little love notes. I heart you. The little love, love notes <laughs> to the rider. So I would throw the pit board for the other guy and the other guy. Anyway, so that nice. this is a that was a different deal. It was a different world. You, there was a two two bike thing. Like I had to take care of two bikes. That way if I made a change to the forks of the one bike, then it. I would have to go and do it to the other one because it was backup. There is now a no multiple bike rule uh, in Moto America and that's been that way for probably my guess is six or seven years, maybe. As in, you don't need to have multiple bikes. Or? No, they're basically thinking cost cutting, and uh. also there's a bit of like uh, kind of power when when you're rich and you can afford <laughs> everything, and you have that sitting there, and then you just use it back and forth. And right. A really well done team could have that, and it does cost a lot of money. So they're thinking, all right, maybe maybe we don't have that. The Was the whole point to kind of level the playing field? A bit. But to be honest with you, I, I think it actually just makes it more difficult because this is all expensive. This yeah, is all yeah. rich people playing. That's all right. of it. That's there's, right. There's no bit of this that, not saying there's no merit in the way these people do this, but you're just racing dollar bills. Yeah. Right? That it costs money to do all this shit. At the higher level, there is kind of a, a balance with it because they're also rich with factories or whatever. <laughs> right. It's at the club level that it makes a huge difference because you basically can just be a rich dude and come in and, and win a club championship. Because That's right. You By the money. best of the best of the best. Yeah, and you never right. have to worry about but, but it's a little bit more difficult. That was what was so cool about what I was just involved with with Westby was this was a non-factory Yamaha back team. Hmm. And we were racing against Attack Yamaha, which again isn't quote unquote factory. They're not working out of the factory. They're not, the Yamaha had, had ceased operations. So it's not like a GYTR thing. This is a. No, but it was like, they were the chosen ones when huh. the head of, uh, racing came to the track, they were in blue Yamaha gear That's and right. they were hanging out in the attack pit, right? They would come and hang out with us a bit, but they weren't the, they weren't loading our truck. They were loading the attack truck huh. and attack has the multi-time national champion, Jake Gagne, and then uh, Cameron Peterson. That was who they were racing. So let me ask you this. When you say Yamaha back team with Westby, what does, I mean, if you're allowed to say, what does Yamaha do for a team that's backed by them? Uh, Interesting question. And it actually makes me wonder, last year at Atlanta, which was the first race of the season for the Superbikes, Mm because they don't race Daytona because they will blow tires up. Oh, really? I was given a non-disclosure agreement for Yamaha like it wasn't Westby, it was Yamaha. 
that gives you an idea how deeply. Yeah, in, this is a you're touching our shit. We yeah, get to set the rules. And the reason for that was mainly electronics. Oh, mainly. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Because back in the day, let's say a super bike wasn't quite as complicated as they are now. No. Right on the street, if you buy an R1, a Panigale, a Gixxer 1000, they now have IMUs and yeah. all these different yeah. acronyms to keep your yeah, 200 yeah, yeah. horsepower ass sure. on the ground. And those things are programmed. Right. They're done. But on the racetrack. Yeah. So is who is the person in charge of that on the right and left mechanic? Well, that's the data guy. That's all he does. And, and the crew chief. So the data person is the one that it can differ depending on the engineer level of who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was a gentleman, Freddie Carswell, Carswell, yes, who runs Superbike Unlimited. Oh, yeah. Out of, uh, I think he's in, oh, man, somewhere in North Carolina, Asheville, who is rad. So Freddie. North Kakalaki for y'all. Yeah. No, North Kakalaki. Kakalaki, right. fuck yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> um, he... Uh, had gotten brought in because he was helping the team. Is actually helping sponsor the team. He, he was, and he was like, you know what? I bet I could do that because he does this for his own vehicle. Like he had a Panigale V4 and BMW. Yeah, actually, if 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 you're listening to this, look up uh, Superbike Unlimited BMW S1000M or M1000 video. Oh. He just dynoed a full work Superbike that he built, and it's really interesting. So uh, if you can find that, go for it. Bottom line, he was the one that would come in and because we had a close enough um, relationship with Magneti Morelli. So all these ECUs in our world were Magneti Morelli. Okay. And Attack had the full Zoom Works triple throwdown version. And we had just this past year got elevated, not to that level, but close. Okay. And it's hideously complex. I, I can't even imagine the level of engineering understanding you must have. To handle these things, it's gnarly. I and it, but it, a lot of it is just uh, rote skill. You're just getting in front of it. You're looking at the squiggly lines on the screen. Mm -hmm. You're making a change. You can send the rider back out, and you see what happens, right? And and if you do that enough, you you start getting it becomes way less complex. Right. The problem is that much like a superbike, it's so adjustable. You can get completely so far away from the setup, right. and depending on the rider, because if it's garbage in, garbage out. If you're not getting good, or you're not good at extracting, and that garbage yeah. is your responsibility from the rider, then you're going to get garbage going into the computer, and then you're going to get garbage um, fuel mapping or engine brake control or whatever the thing is that you're trying to. How was it for you guys with the rider? How was the communication? It was good, um, uh, it, but it depended on the weekend. Sometimes Matthew uh, uh, would get spun out, and a lot of Riders do right, so oh, then, sure, yeah, it's then, a lot of pressure. It's huge, huge amount, right? So you've got a person, and the problem was we were a, we were a a a podium finishing, and I was surprised by it. To be honest with you, I we got into the year, and Cameron Bobby's coming back from racing, uh, what is it, Moto Two? Okay, wow. And he gets put on a wicked BMW, like a, a high level to call it Alpha, I think, is hmm. the team that makes the. BMW parts in Europe, and it's just like basically a, 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 trick, a tick down from factory BMW is this Alpha Technic thing. Okay. So that was a big deal. He and PJ Jacobson, both very fast, but Cameron's like a multi-time Moto America champion. Right. You got Jake Gagne, Cameron Peterson. The, all these people are race winners. Um, so for me, uh, it, it, there's, there's multiples others. I was like, well, 
you know, it will be top five. And uh, if we get on the podium every once in a blue moon, that'll be, I'd be stoked, right? Right. Uh, first race in Atlanta, and we were on the podium the first weekend. I, for, I think we got a, a third, maybe a second. I don't remember. Bottom line is it was a theme throughout the season. And I was just like a pig and shit because all of a sudden I went from <laughs> complete racing obscurity to being totally back in it yeah. with a racer who was just a haul asser and very dynamic and interesting to watch. And he's South African. So he, yeah, would, yeah, right. so he was really uh, an interesting person to listen to as he'd come in and, and uh, uh, describe what was happening and right. figure out what was going on with the bike. And then this team, um, uh, Ed Sullivan was the crew chief and Ed uh, from old Blighty from Southern England, um, who had worked in the car world for a really long time was just uh, amazing. And then like aforementioned Freddie, um, that was great. It was, a, it was a really cool team to be part of. So we had a, I, I thought it was a great year because we ended up like fourth or fifth in the championship. Um, we Respectable. Had a, it was fine, right? We had some crashes in the late part. The first part of the year was amazing. The last part of the year was difficult. Lots of uh, difficulty getting the bike set up, but like the bike was fast and we knew it and we were getting the, the setup and it was getting closer towards the attack. And I, the kind of the way I looked at it is if we put Jake Gagne on it, would he be able to win on it? And I was like, yeah, really? And we knew that with, and I think Matthew also knew that. Mm. And that puts that extra pressure. Cause he's like, he's got something to prove this. Yeah. And this bike's good. Right. Yeah. It's one thing if you're in the back and you're like, Oh, well I don't have that suitor swing arm. That's $11,000. Mm -hmm. Well, we have that. Yeah. And I don't have that Magneti system. That's probably 15 grand a year just to rent the Whoa. license or some, something obnoxious, maybe right. way worse than probably I even more. I did like scratch that. I have no idea. Yeah. Right. Lots of money, but that type of stuff, we had the brakes, we had the, the forks and the shock, we had the setup. And finally we started making some pretty extreme changes and it was really cool to watch. So who's coaching the riders? Ah, that's really, that's a good question. So there's a couple of people out there that are quote unquote rider coaches. Hmm. Um, there was a gentleman named Ethan, and I can't remember what Ethan's uh, uh, name is on, say, Instagram or what his business name is. But Ethan was working with Matthew and uh, Cam uh, Cameron Peterson, at least, and maybe some other riders in the paddock. Okay. And when I say working with, I don't know if he was doing any psychological training, but I think that was part of his background, which is really cool. Uh, but he would be the one. I don't know if you've ever seen this. If any of you listening or watched any of these races or watched the, the race series pressure to rise huh. that is a youtube it's on the youtube okay pressure to rise to, it, i think they started in 2021 it's kind of like the formula one i don't there was a there was a, a show that formula yeah, one made. yeah on 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 netflix i think it got really big it did and because of that it trickled down into well okay moto america is going to fund this interesting so if you want to see what i just experienced kind of and it's pretty well done it's not a lot of these, um, let's call it reality television, right. but this is like more reality. Documentary than, style. Right. It, it's pretty good. And and even if some of it was played up, like the, they're going to play up the bad times and they're going right, to play up the good times. Got to have some drama. Of, of, right. So they make that. And so some of it's a little bit manufactured drama. Okay. But it tells it's the music, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's real omnominous. Yeah. No, you're right. That could, that could be part of it. But they did a good job. So if you're if you're curious about what I'm speaking about right now. Start in 2023 and watch okay. that. And if you like that season, watch Fuck, the rest. I know what I'm watching tonight. No, it's good. It's definitely good. So that, that can tell you. Anyway, back to the coaching guy. I don't know if he's on there at all, but you'll see video of they'll put these three things in front of a rider oh. that, that shine lights and they blink. 
and the guy will get on his little little phone and he activates a a like a signal and it you have to basically like touch the light after it blinks and it's random oh this is like hand-eye coordination exactly but it's interesting that they're doing this right before the racer Mm -hmm. gets out on the track so your brain you're you're training your brain that's amazing immediately well and i was like i watched this happen a couple times like that is amazing fuck i want to do that before a track day and see what it does well you know what (laughs) i don't know what the system is called but i doubt it's that expensive because i mean have you ever had that uh, you and i both wear glasses have you ever had the see the dots with your periphery like the periphery tests no. So they have a thing like that at my doctor's office. Oh, you know what? You're like when you're going to get your eyes checked. Yeah. yeah. But this is like next level because you have to see it and reach for it. Yes. No. I love that. And then you have to like put your hands close to it. That way you're not having to go too right, very far. Right. And you watch the riders do it. And it's not like there was a funny time where they were like everybody would do it. I never did it. But like the crew chief wanted to be the yeah, fastest. Yeah, just Because <laughs> everyone wanted to see. He it's sets weird a timer. that everyone in that team is so competitive. Hmm, it's funny. Huh. And it's <laughs> irony that I didn't care. Um, so that or uh, bouncing balls. Like I after like halfway through the year. Drop it, Matt, catch it, drop it, catch it. Yeah. Uh, Matthew started doing it. It would just be like bounce, 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 bounce. That's funny. Hannah who does a lot of Ulmer racing and yeah. we had her in Moto America and, and this last high, year. And his high level was racing in the series. Right. Yes. And the Hooligans Championship, That's right. which was like four races out of 12 or four she, out yeah, of she did. She did Ridge, Monterey, Coda. Actually, I think that was it. Uh, Daytona. Daytona. That's right. So she picked up juggling. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And like she went from not being able to do it for more than 10 seconds. So yeah, like yeah. she can stand there in the showroom yeah. and do it for like three minutes that's now. Neat. That's super So neat. it's like, it's so funny to watch her just look straight ahead. And her peripheries catching it constantly, like, all right, little alien. That's and pretty neat. That probably works with sales because she's juggling sales oh, at the same yeah, time. Got we got her running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was an interesting thing to see because I had never seen anything like that from a training standpoint back when I was in it 15 years ago. There was a very, I'm not going to name names, but there was a very famous young racer who was overtrained. Wow. So he was like muscle bound and very, like, uh, the, the person he had quote unquote training him. Was another like Lou Ferrigno esque <laughs> muscle so it was bound all about physical training. Yeah, and it was over. He was he was. I bet he's not nearly as flexible. It, no, he was. It was horrible. He was so fast for one lap. Oh. He was known in that series. He would put down the fast lap, the pole lap, <laughs> every race. But not only did he not do that in the races, like he would be pole position and then end up fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, oh. or he would just tire out easier right in general so no not not as much stamina yeah it was overtraining like that's why you came home to me rowing i'm trying to get my stamina yeah but that's a different track days are coming man that but that i would i would assume that is better than weight training and being too hard like i'll i'll tell you a quick story uh when i first started working for a guy named eric bostrom who at the time was a big like if you're listening to this and you don't know who Eric Bostrom is and you don't know who Ben Bostrom is, pause this right now and look it up. Go look them up. They're, they're both amazing people. I managed to be fortunate enough to work for Eric on that super stock bike. And I was remember talk, chatting with them and uh, about their training because they were known for like back in the late 90s, you'd see pictures of them in a magazine uh, rock climbing. Yeah. Like they were one of the they first. They were so like trim. Super fit, right? Yeah, super and fit. And they said, oh yeah, we had to stop doing that because we were, we were over gripping the bikes. Wow. They were over gripping. So wow. that's why we started riding bicycles. And b- because bicycle does all the the main, is it calisthenics or yeah, what cal- is it? Uh, I mean, is that the aerobic whole Aerobic or whatever. The 
I don't know the terminology. I don't do any of this. The stuff. Boz brothers juggle eggs so they don't break them. They probably. I would. just made that up, but I feel like that's got to be they, something they, they probably do. they could because <laughs> they're they they had a deft touch for sure. So that's good. It gives you an example of something that's like ooh. That would make me go faster. I'm going to go start rock climbing, right. but then you end up uh, having problems with gripping, it. right? And that might uh, manifest itself as arm pump, huh. right? Where you have the compartment syndrome. Of, have you ever heard of that? I, I, I mean, I know the carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel is different. So uh, look up arm pump and it's compartment syndrome. Interesting. So all the blood rushes to the forearms. Uh. And I recently found out, this is interesting because I have not you know, been in this world. Well, there I'm in the paddock. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, m- often that happens with shorter riders who have lo- less length in their arms. So it, it gets there quicker? Yeah. Or there's not as much room for the blood to swell or to, for the blood to go. Interesting. And then it ends up being into this, what is it, the fascia or something like that. So uh, there's a surgery for this. The fascia. You know the dad. <laughs> what is that? From Austin Powers. The fascia? The fascia. What is oh the Faja? <laughs> it took me a second to get that right. I, I did that joke with my chiropractor. And she was rolling. Oh, because of the Faja. The Faja. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to the thing. They the there's a horrible surgery where they literally just cut that. Maybe it's not Faja, but some like uh, sheathing in your arm. They uh, literally just cut. They just slice it. And then it keeps the uh, blood from like over pumping. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it, it seems like such a unique and specific thing for like people who motocross, use their arms. yeah, motocross, like motorcyclists uh, flat, in general, flat track and, and road racing for sure. Holy it's shit, it's a known thing. That said, that was a known thing probably yeah thirty to twenty years ago. That is I'm not sure it's as common now because my guess is. That's an extreme, horrible thing to do right. that you only do in an extreme circumstance. They've probably figured out some form of like a yes. pressure suit. A, P- to, a PT thing yeah. that you would do. They're like, okay, hey, you can do the, that, but, but I'm not sure. Meanwhile, I'm thinking of Nolan in Superbike, and he's like six foot two, six foot three. Nolan Lampkin? He's just this- How little, do you know him? He's just a sweet kid. I ran across him, and I ended up having dinner with him. That's cool. Sweetest human being on the planet. Yeah, he, he has a really good, good reputation just, within the paddock. Just a lovely, lovely person, but huh. he's- this tall, lanky. he's gigantic. He's huge. Well, Matthew Skulls is six two or six right? three. Yeah, there's a few of these dudes. First time I, I met Nolan, I'm like, "There's no way you ride motorcycles." It's they, and you race them. They look like crazy spider monkeys <laughs> on the bikes. But this is an interesting dynamic in racing. That again, for the years and years and years, you had to be Mark Marquez small. That's right, right? And and that weight is horsepower. Oh yeah. So if you can get a smaller rider, the better off you are of for sure. And we've seen this for a very, very long time. That no, that's they were, why I haven't raced, Quinn. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, the main reason, no doubt. <laughs> it, it's a, it's definitely a hindrance. When I was racing 125s 20 years ago, I was, I, I was the same height, so I'm like five ten. <sighs> and I was gigantic compared. I had to have an extended seat and 30 mil longer rear sets and all this other stuff to just to get a 125 to even kind of fit me. But I weighed 135 pounds. So I was just light enough because I, I you, like you were in the weight class. I least. had a tapeworm or something, and I was able to stay <laughs> small for long enough to be able to ride those things. I but, had to be young again and burn off all those calories quickly. But now with electronics, and this is part of the deal. That's right. They can do things that kind of make it to where a larger person, whether it be weight or stature, mm-hmm. can make these bikes go pretty fast. And I haven't heard a a very clear. Description of why this is, why we see so many of these larger dudes that are that are. It could be Loris Baz in uh, MotoGP mm-hmm. or uh, Daniel Petrucci isn't the smallest. No, creep. no. he's not. He's not super tall. Yeah, but, but he's by big. their standards, he's a, he's, he's a giant. gigantic. Right, like and a lot of even Rossi 
was like my stature, like 5'10", right. and he probably weighed 150 pounds, whereas I don't. But you know what I mean, like tall. Yeah. So that is a hindrance. Though so It's arrow I mean, hindrance. Physically, you can only get rid of so much weight. That's the deal. And yeah, that's definitely an arrow hindrance. It can be. That said, if you have a, a tuck and you're a tall person and your back is super flat, you actually can be more aerodynamic than a smaller person who has a, ends up being more of a hump. So what I'm gathering from this is do a lot of yoga. That can be part of it, sure. Get that body moving. But so a nice maybe way. that's what the trainer, and that would be interesting to get Ethan. Maybe I'll hook you up with Ethan. You can do a show with him because I bet he could talk about it. That would be and really interesting. His background actually is psychological. So even though he's now training people physically, I think he, he probably would. Because you, you and I both know that 90% of the shit is psychological. Absolutely. Every, every trainer that I know that is like, you know, it's a lifestyle, man. And that, no, but like all jokes aside, if you can't get it in your head. Yeah, sure. So I feel like someone like Ethan is probably a, you know, or just a powerful human being to be able to teach you to get it into your head that this is what you need to do and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Whether you want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or the next Rossi is up to you, but yeah. Yeah, this is why I don't race motorcycles. Yep. I love bread so much. <laughs> I don't know how to behave around it. That's why I ride a street fighter, not a Panigale. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can sit upright on that thing. This little guy right here, this belly of mine, can only tuck so much. This little belly of this mine. Little belly of mine. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like in our, in our track days and at local, you know, legends here, we have Sage. And Sage Sage. Is, Sage. Yeah. Sage is the... The Pirelli he's, Whisperer. He's always been a big dude. He's a big... Sage tells me that with all of his gear on, he pushes about 283 pounds on any given day. And that motherfucker, I watched him on our last track day do a minute seven on a CBR 1000 RRRRR. You, I have a Sage story with like, that. Like, what the fuck? So about 15 years ago, when I was racing Ducati, when I, I started working at, at Ducati, I still had like a Triumph 675 track bike. Mm -hmm. And it was it was fine, but I'd never really, I never really, I looked cool. And I remember I was like, ooh. Especially I, on that bike. And, and I, I, I had such an aversion to four-cylinder inline Japanese bike. I was like, yeah, boring. I want something cool. I'll do that. Right. And I had it, but then I guess started working for Ducati. And I was like, okay, I'm going to yeah, have to get an A48. Got to get an A48, exactly. But, <laughs> but, but before that, Sage let me race his, I think the deal was he was working at Moto Corsa. Okay. And he had to work Saturdays. So he was like, dude, why don't you, he had seen me ride at Were some- Were you a celebrity standing yeah, on Saturdays? Yeah, I was the flying guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? He was like, this bike- was really well set up. He had built it. it what was, was it? A48. Ah. I don't know, remember if it was an Evo, but I think it was an Evo at the time, which is the, at the time was a little bit spicier. It was the, right? it was the new little goody spicy. goody. Yeah. So I went out and did well. I forget where, and I, I might've gotten a podium or two or whatever okay. over the course of a couple races. And we, this is funny. He was that size. He was still that maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a 20 pounds less. Maybe I wouldn't know pounds, what Sage looks but, like any lighter, but larger. Yeah. And there's me 175 pounds and we didn't change the setup of the bike. What? At all. What? Not even a little bit. What? So there I was doing, I think on his bike, I was at the, you're talking about the track with the, doing a, you're doing a, with a the seven. No, this was without chicane. And okay. I was, this is back. This is a long time. This is even before that. So this is 2009-ish, maybe? Just, 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 as a, just as a reminder for those of you who haven't listened in a long time because we've been absent, so sorry. If you do, at least in our circles, if you can get around PIR without the chicane in under a minute 20, 
we consider you very quick. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good way to get into but, Homer racing. But like 15s is where you're trying. Yeah, you're you're starting to like my personal fastest lap is a minute 14. And I was like, <laughs> OK, it, things are sliding. I would right. say that's about where the tires are hazing. Doesn't mean you're fucking backing it in and nope, every corner. Nope, no. nope. It's just the tires are definitely They're hazing uh, a little bit somewhere, yep. if not multiple places on the track. And you are breaking very deep. Yep. Right. So I was doing 11s or 12s on this bike that he was doing 11s and 12s Whoa. on. Like okay. somewhere in that realm. Right. Maybe it's 13s. Whatever it was. It's it was, spicy. It was very, very fast. And the fact that. Both of us with, because for some reason he liked it soft. Oh. And I liked it hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So because of that, it worked out. And it was one of the strangest things that both of us were like, how the F that is this even possible yeah. that this bike that I have set up for myself, because he had already set it up for him right. and he was super fast on it. He was like, you go and try it. And you know, if you have to make some changes, make some changes, but you know, whatever. And I got him immediately fast. Right. So it was like, I didn't have to do anything to it. That actually is what got me to buy my A48 huh. when I bought a. You're like, fuck, I, I just got on this big boy's bike and I was able to do it. So yeah, I was like, you know what? I work for this company now. I can probably afford to race a Ducati working for Ducati. Right. Um, and there's a lot more to it, but it made sense. And so then I ended up doing a lot of cool stuff with that bike and it was awesome. I feel like you guys somehow magically hit this like perfect Venn diagram of like heavy and yeah, light. It was, it was it just worked out perfect. It was like bizarre. if I got on his bike, it'd be all fucked up. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only 240 pounds. Yeah, but it would, be, it would have been too soft here. Too big. Yeah, I know it was a very strange thing, but we're also club racing. That said, I, we say club racing, but we were going very fast. Yeah considering the lack of time on the bikes and like neither of us are heavy duty racers and but well, we have could, day jobs right and if if we crash we would both would have well right. i guess i probably could have hunt and pecked on my keyboard at the time <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to work on the bike so anyway interesting stuff for sure he's a it, it's it's so interesting the first time i saw him ride past me both his wheels front and rear were smoking I bet. As he was entering turn one. Uh, he, and I was going the fastest I've ever gone. And it's like, you can tell it's Sage. He he looks like, because I think he is like a power lifter. He's just a big boy. Yeah. He's not, I would never call him fat. He just, no, big. no. He's a large human being. He's His big head's bone. big. He's like, you, you're a big bone. You're not fat. You're just big no, bone. Yeah, I'm not fat. I'm big bone. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting to see that that level. But going back to actual racers, like, they're wee little people. They have to be. Oh, most it makes time, more yeah. sense. Yeah. If, if you go through the paddock, the, the continuum that I'm describing still ends up being a cookie cutter of a very thin person. Like ranges between yeah. like five foot two to five foot ten ish. Yeah. And they weigh that, something between 150, right. 170, maybe. Right. That's, maybe. That's about it. I think yeah. 170 is on the big side. Yeah. That's big. Pretty, pretty so big. maybe 130 if you got the little, right. li, the Lilliputian racers. Right? <sighs> Man, okay. Those guys. So. I realized that we're, uh, and of course, this is the way it's going to go. Tangent, it is. tangent, I tangent. I love tangents. Um, so back to the racing thing. Did that for the year. Stoked. Everything was going great. Uh, the the benefactor of the team, Trig Westby, his yep. son had uh, unfortunately perished on in a street bike accident. Nobody Ugh. knew what happened. This was about a decade ago. I hate it. So he was racing it kind of in Dane's memory, Dane Westby. So mm -hmm. the whole idea was Dane's memory, and this was Trig's spending the money, doing the thing, you know, for, for Dane's memory. Right. right? Uh, Trig had to have a, a weird surgery on his back earlier in the year. And through the year it started, he's, it was degrading. He, it wasn't working out well. He was not having fun coming to the races. Things were having yeah. a problem. 
But we made commitments and he started, okay, we're, we'll go into 2024. Okay, great. And got had a contract signed in October. We were good. We're all right. We're going racing. The whole team's going. And then we got a call and he was like, I got to pull the plug. <sighs> so for whatever reason, pull, plug was pulled and that was very sad. But wah, wah, I kind of was mentally prepared for it. Yeah. I was prepared for it in like the last couple of races of the season. I'm like, I, I can don't tell know. you were kind of trying to see what 2024 was going to yeah, look like for you. I wasn't looking too far, but I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I guess I'm so accustomed now, unfortunately, to things changing in life, um, you know, job wise yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of life I'm, happens. Yeah. And I, but I'm, I guess I'm, I'm battle worn and or shot peened or whatever it is. I say forged. you're wiser wiser yeah yeah okay so that so it doesn't i don't sweat it as much but i'm also super privileged on like every possible level you can be privileged so i'm not as bothered i'm like okay i'll be all right i'll figure it out yep. i'll find a thing so when this happened i was like eh. that but the problem is it coincided with the other project i've been working on to pay the bills because a fly-in mechanic you could live on that but it would be very difficult to super thrive, thin yeah right you you wouldn't be able to do that right. completely because there's not enough races okay so I had been working with a local company that is making an electric outboard motor system. So exciting. So I had done that from January of last year and uh, waiting for funding to come in. This is a startup. So they're basically, let's try and make the thing and then get it in front of people and try and sell the idea that we're going to be able to make more of these things and make some money. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's startup life. Uh, I have been involved with that with uh, Motosys and Alta Motors. Both of those things were startups, and I am well versed in it. So yep. I was like, the, it, as it was, the gentleman who hired me on uh, came from Motosys Electric, uh, Nick Sheps. So Nick had um, he he we had just known each other. I never worked with him uh, at Motosys when I worked at Motosys because I was on the piston engine part of Motosys. So, but we just knew each other, and we knew everybody around. And I had helped him work on his. Actually, I worked. I helped show him how to do adjust his valves on his on his uh, monster uh, in his Neat. garage, Neat. right? So this was within the past <laughs> couple of years. I think it was in the middle of COVID because he was you know, right. And so he called me. He's like, "Hey, I got this thing. You want to come do this thing?" I'm like, yeah. Well, let's let's. He's like, "I can just contract work. We'll see how this goes. Okay. It might not be around for long. Okay. So did that, and it was a perfect blend of making money, coming back home, making that money, going yep. and racing. Can you write that? That worked out through the year, but you know, the longer it went, the more the money you left. And That's right. then it was like, well, we're waiting for funding. So by the time that the Westby thing went in December, I was in the dumps because I was like, I, I don't know. If yeah. I'm what's gonna, next? What do I, I have, do? I, I really have nothing and I'm going to have to figure this out. But it all just happened where, okay, uh, funding came through. Not, not a lot, but enough to get like 18 months of runway. Okay. Maybe, maybe even two years okay. if we do it right. Okay. So the boat is now, it's called Photon Marine. It's Ooh. based on a Swan Island, which is right across the river from Mercedes Motocorsa. It is. I get to wave at you. Yeah, right. You're right by the Daimler Chrysler <laughs> building. We are. We're, we are. I literally walk. Actually, I think the it's just Daimler lot. now. Yeah. Daim, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's Daimler. So Daimler, uh, which is Freightliner. So right. anybody that doesn't know Portland, it's actually an interesting thing that we Daimler, have some really weird, cool things here Yeah, for sure. So Daimler Freightliner is on Swan Island, which is this very weird little uh, industrial area. It's an island that's full of swans. It's <laughs> yeah, not. Boy, it's actually, <laughs> boy, is it not. Boy, is it yeah, not. Right. It is full of not swans. <laughs> uh, used to be the airport, believe it or not. I do. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool. And it thing. sits on the Willamette River. Yeah. And not on not on Columbia. Yeah. And the Willamette, damn it. 
Willamette, and, damn. And Not the Willamette as I thought it was. Basically, yeah, the Willamette. That's why I was Way fancier. We're in wine country. Willamette, come on. Why can I not be Willamette? I, don't know. I really want it so bad. Everyone have to tell you, like, that's the Willamette wine. Fuck. Willamette sounds a lot better. Willamette would be better, but no, of course not. And there's a lot of those here in the state. That's right. So, uh, uh, Mock Crest, which is where I live, is on the top of Mock Crest. That's where the crest itself is this is cut out. That's right. Whatever. Anyway, so Swan Island. Uh, boat and it's oh, so your commute's great. You just go down that one it, road, it hang is, right. It is so Swan good. Island, go past the McDonald's. Yeah, well, no longer there. What? Yeah, no. That yeah. was the best McDonald's. It in was. Town. I you could go get a Big Mac and then go down <gasps> to the little beach there. Yep. Uh, quote unquote beach. Yeah. And it was yes, it was a very cute little it was, spot. Beachish. Yeah. No, no more. So uh, um, it's a very cool thing because it's basically like this last year. It was yank. Yoink. yoink. I love yoink. Yoink. Uh, you gotta do I yoink. love yoink. You yoink the Mercury V8 out of a, which is crazy. Wait, these, do you yoink it then yeet it? I did. What? We yeeted it all the way to Florida. Fuck's sake. <laughs> like somebody <laughs> bought two of these engines because that oh, was- Oh, yeah, brother. Because you to build a bottom end, they call it, I don't, I forget there's different terminology in boat land, but the <laughs> thing with the propeller on it is, uh, is very difficult. So we were just basically looking for, hey, we got to prove out what electric would look like. So we yoink, yeet, no, yeet. Yoink, no, oh, yoink, then, yoink, yeet. then yeeted the, the Mercury V8, which is a fascinating thing that huh. a V8 engine fits into an outboard. Thing. It's incredible to it, me. It's pretty The neat. first time I heard it was a V8, I'm like, where? No, and there's V12s. And that, what? that is the mind bender in the same enclosure. Anyway, when they got them funding, they hired me on full time, which I just started uh, last Thursday. Dude. So. So 2024 is all about electric boats. But what's going to happen in the racing world? Okay, so this is even crazier. All right, do we have time? Come at me, bro. Okay, all right. So I, I, when the the Westby shut down, they were like, "Hey, well, why don't you?" We we realized that it's a bit tough, and that we, we you know, you've been counted on right. the pay to come out, and we had already arranged to be in uh, the the race shops in Georgia. And we realized you'd come to do race prep in Georgia in the first week of the, of January. So why don't you just come back? We'll have you uh, inventory the truck, and then oh, wow. you know. So I go there, okay, and it's basically for ten days. I'm I'm there getting paid, which was awesome. It was super good of them. A few days into it, uh, get a call from uh, Terry Vance of Vance and Hines. Dude, I had been approached by somebody with a text that was like, "Hey, Terry Vance is looking for somebody," and I, I know the dynamic. Uh, it was baggers, and I was like. I don't think I'm strong enough to lift those parts. Was my <laughs> w- w- that was literally my text back, right? But it was it followed briefly by, yeah, I'll have the conversation because the conversation made sense to have. It right. Be, but I did not. I I think I, my brain was addled with too many other things, and I just wasn't thinking through. Bottom line, when I got the actual call and I'm talking to Terry Vance, then it was like, oh man, this is a. I'm swimming in some deep water. Right. So this would be if there's really not very many ways to put this, this would be like the head coach of the Patriots calling the, the freaking kid that's, that's throwing the water boy footballs at, uh, yeah. But, but like at, in a high school level and saying, Hey, I need you to, we we got try to step up. Right. (laughs) It's that level. I can hear you audibly gulp when he talks to you. But so that's the thing is once you realize it, it, so Baggers is a weird, very controversial. Thing. I am so intrigued by Baggers, <laughs> right? I can't even tell you how much I love their idea. Oh, uh, because initially I was like, "What the fuck?" Everybody, oh, everybody the more is. I thought about it, the more I fell in love with it. Uh, I love that I showed up to Monterey and like Cannery Row was like Daytona Bike Week. Yeah, and I was like, "This was brilliant." Yeah. These people 
who didn't give a fuck about AMA racing. Not even a little bit. Not even a tiny bit. Now. Showed up. They are stoked. And they showed up in droves. Yeah. So, like, Monterey was packed. It was full of them. I loved it. We, at at the Yamaha race team, the team manager had, it was the same as us in the beginning where you're like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> had, had gone to Moto America and said, hey, do you have metrics to tell us how many... I see what you did there. Metrics, because you know baggers. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I didn't even intend to do that. Nicely done. <laughs> so the metrics to understand how many... And it was like so much that you can't ignore it. So they were basically like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You think yeah. having these bikes I on think it's track, going to Europe now. Well, yeah. Oh, am I jumping the gun? Yeah. Oh, I'm so curious. So... That there's so much going on, dude. Man. I talked to a certain Ruben Chouse last yeah, year. Yeah, I bet you did. It was, an, it was, I'll fill you in later. Okay. Yeah. No, this is all, dude. So it's boiling. This is going to be all next episode, shit, y'all. Yeah. It is. It's so boiling, right? So I get this call and Terry's like, ask me like three questions. It was like very simple. It was like, what do you do? For, do you have a What's job? Your name? What's your favorite color? <laughs> right. It was like, do you have you a drive job? You an F-150? Yeah. Right. Well, no, that's funny. Um, do you have a job? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm doing this thing on the side. He's like, so you'd be looking for uh, fly-in only. You, know, you don't need the, you, you can't come and work in, in Indianapolis. They were, they were ready to like stroke you a check for you to move out there, I think. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I am in a situation where I just want to fly in right now. Okay. I've got a thing and it's okay. really good. And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, how old are you? And I, I think. What? Yeah. Uh, all right. I was like, oh yeah, I'm in old school world here. Yeah, hell you, yeah, you are. You can't ask that. No. Right. Hell no. Yeah. So. Some- but <laughs> but I don't care, and I I wasn't gonna be. I'm like, yeah, I'm 47. You're I'm 46. Or I'm um, I'm I actually did exactly that, and he was like, yeah, it's tough to remember when you're that age. <laughs> like, right? like, Fuck yeah. off. He's yes. like, um, can you be in Indianapolis? I'm keep in mind, I'm in Atlanta. Huh? Uh, I'm in Woodstock, Georgia. Yeah, you're taking inventory and, of the truck. Yeah, and he's like, can you be in, in Indianapolis on Wednesday? And this is like Saturday. I had so many questions of why you're bouncing around so much. <laughs> I know, right? Oh man, you're answering all my questions. <laughs> right? So, so I go to I I'm like, yeah, I'll get I I I'm like, I'm not sure, but I'll let you know soon and I'll I'll figure it out. I needed to talk to the gentleman. Oh boy. So, um I was able to get in and out, get all of the things done. What I needed to do, what I was getting paid to do there. Right. But I was able to get to Indianapolis like that day. Jesus. And when I first saw it, I'm like, Brent's there. That's right. Like, I, I wonder. Maybe- okay, hold on. A little side note. Brent is one of my ex-techs who moved back to be close to family. And not ex-techs like a Texan, but an ex-tech Ex, like a technician. Like, yeah, like not all my Texas exes are in Texas. Oh, I see what they're there. It made my brain do little <laughs> weird somersaults. Yeah, so Brent was one of my technicians who, if you remember from previous episodes, helped us with the Dust Till Dawn 12-hour endurance that race. That I rode in. Yeah, you rode with us. <laughs> we talked about this. That's right. So it was Quentin and Brent and Shaheen. And as I told everybody in that previous episode, I was a placeholder. Brent is the motocross slash he, downhill mountain he was bike. 100% the, the was linchpin of that like situation. He, if you remember, he did one of the quickest laps yeah. of that night, period. Yeah. No, a, I did not know a, that. On a tank. He did. Yeah. On a tank. And it was a brutal tank. Jesus We're talking the absolute antithetical thing for the job Ugh. in this scenario it was abjectly awful. <laughs> so we, awful. We're, we're, we're going to have to save this conversation for another episode okay. because I want to talk about that night. Okay. Because it was so fun and so funny. No, and there's it, so many memories yeah. from it. There's no PTSD. It's so like, Brent used to work for me and then he moved to be closer to the family. But within the past month. 
It was like, like a month and a half ago. Not even two months. Yeah. Right. So he told me before we moved, he's like, hey, there is a slight chance I may work for Ray Hall. I'm like, oh, like Ray Hall. Because he has a Ducati dealership. And also news came out that he's going to be racing in Supersport. And, and this was Kyla. Kayla. Kayla Yakov. Yeah. And PJ. No. Yeah, and PJ. Dude, I'm such a fan of Kayla because she's just this tiny little amazing human being who rides the piss out of motorcycles. Yeah, who's not a, She's a baby. Yeah, very young, but awesome. Yeah, for I, I sure. I think she just turned 16, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's, so, it's a really cool dynamic. So Brent has ended up there, and Brent is a suspension guy. So I was like, dude, I'll send you... I, I will do a reference for you so you yeah. can get there. I never had to do that. He he yeah. stood on his own feet oh, greatly. Sure. Yeah. So it was really neat, because you sent me a photo of you and Brent. I'm like, Brent! Yeah. Yellow was, bike. I see the yellow bike. Right. The one in the background <laughs> yeah. was there. The, so... He had contacted me or I had contacted him. I don't remember like weeks before or something because right. the Ray Hall thing was boiling. And I, when I got like news that Westby has gone, I'm like, well, what realms can I go in? Dude, so, just to imagine you back in the Ducati world makes me chuckle. So that, but that was the thing. I'm like, I reached out to Jay Root. I'm like, Hey Jay, this is a, a major player in the Ducati world yeah, he's, on, on the, uh, mostly on the East coast. But he's he's no, bad. So, so Jay he's nationwide. The, the national sales manager for Ducati North America, but also like all the Ducati. He, he wears a lot of. The he hats does. He's, as, the, guy, the guy is a fucking hustler. He's an amazing. But dude. he's got his hand in deep in the racing, in the racing side, which yeah. is why. And I had seen him enough times, and it was so weird. Which is funny. The guy's got a Kawasaki fetish. He has every model that I ever want. And he has a lot of rad old stuff. Yeah, like he has YSR fifties that oh, are like know. minty mint. Oh, I know. As he would say, minty mint. Minty mint. Not scratch and dent. <laughs> so his number was in my phone and I don't know how, because I, because you used to work there back. Well, the the, that's a funny thing. I don't necessarily have everybody's number huh. in my phone. Even yeah, though Jay I was that kind of hustler. He's in everyone's phone. Right. You know, so, he's like the YouTube channel that just ended up on your phone with you. Like <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. So I, I texted him and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, Hey, do you, he was like, well, do you know Ben Spees? And I'm like, no, I never interacted with Ben oh, well, I'm back surprised in, when I was in the paddock. I just never, yeah. I'd, he was racing superbike. I was doing other things. So, um, like, no, but you know, then that was dead. And then when Brent, I was like, Hey, uh, if you, are you, it, I was assuming that the race team would be part of the thing, but, right. it, but I guess it's not. And I think there's I a lot of, is. there's a lot of weirdness going on with that, but understandably so Ray Hall has, well, he's a, got a dealership to take care of and a race exactly. team. And you there has mingle. to be a delineation right. there. Right. So that's a tough thing to manage because everybody that's there wants to be in the of racing course. Of course. and then it becomes a distraction and then right. you're not making the money, et cetera, et cetera. It's a bad deal. But Bottom line, I, I'm like, are you in Indianapolis? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be going there to, to interview advancing. He's like, dude, that's right down the road. I'm like, really? Huh. Cause I was thinking, um, I'm going to have to have him come to me or yeah. I had no idea. And when it turned out that they're literally like, uh, down the know, road. Yeah. Like mo a couple football fields away. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to get in early enough to go over there, which I did. And I was able to go see it. And nice. the irony was that on his lift was a Ducati, Indiana. A Ducati, like Indiana, Indiana. In Indiana. You know, I've never seen a Ducati, Indiana in person. No. And the fact that you saw one in Indiana is amazing to it me. Was, it was so ripe. Everything about it was just perfect. And so I got... <laughs> this is like the Diavolo before there was a Diavolo. It was. It, <laughs> oh my God, it's so much worse, but so much better, <laughs> right? And uh, I guess the uh, the lead uh, salesperson, I can't remember their name, uh, uh, owns it or had bought it. And they, nice. were, they were going through it. I love and, it. And they're not easy to deal with because there's a bunch of uh, Indiana-specific parts that are not... You can't get. 
Yeah, it's been a while. Right. So, but in these days of like rapid prototype parts yeah, and yeah. stuff. Someone 3D printed some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if that's what's happening here, but I'm, that is the reason why you'd own old stuff that you can't get. Wow. So, see him. Go to Vance and Hines. Vance and Hines, complicated. It's not what you think it is. So, a lot of people think, okay, it's Vance and Hines, it's an exhaust manufacturer. Right. It is, but. Terry and uh, Byron, Terry Vance and Byron Hines sold the company oh. in 2002 or so. Okay. Like to a, I, um, I'm not going to remember the, the business terminology for like some sort of fund, right? Some big gnarly thing. Some motorcycle trust fund. Yeah, right. Some conglomerates. Let's, let's, yeah, right. Let's call it that. It could be like Mag. Please tell me they're Russian. Please tell me Mag they're Russian. Mag group or some, no, <laughs> no Russian oligarchs. Soviet they're, Russia. No, that's right, going on in the boat world, I'll say. I believe uh, it. Uh, but not in the motorcycle world yeah, that I know of. It's too of. small. It's too right. well, it's not big I guess enough for them. MV Augusta was. That's fair. You're right. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, anyway, that entity was then both the racing and the exhaust manufacturing were separate at the time. Okay. Uh, but then racing got pulled from Southern like right Twix, left Twix. Yeah. Okay. But then racing got pulled from Southern California because I think it was Byron Hines. It was the main, like, I don't want to be here any longer. Huh. This place sucks. Oh, I'm shit. moving to Colorado, Moved oh. to Colorado first. And then the race, whatever they were doing with racing at the time. And I don't, it was most likely just uh, drag bikes. Uh, that's so right. Their focus those. for the longest time from the seventies, early seventies, through the late 80s was drag motorcycles. Oh, like mostly Harleys, I think. No. Really? Suzuki's. What? Hondas is what they started Take with. Take my foot out of my mouth right now. Yeah, no, but that gets to Harley. So when, when the turn of the century, in that <laughs> 2002 round. Uh, in the old 1900s. Yeah, that is when they went to Harley. Huh. So they they went heavy into Harley to the point where they were the factory Harley drag team. I pro and since probably the mid how I remember it in my head exactly in the in the early 2000s because they saw hey we could start making exhaust for Harleys and make way more money yeah. and that's exactly what exactly and my friend Lee Crawford who used to do my suspension on my 125 was working there at the time and I haven't talked to him since this has all transpired and I should do because he was there building exhausts at Vance and Hines in Santa Fe wow. Springs. 20 years ago while also moonlighting as a suspension guy. Crazy stuff. So anyway, they uh, went from Colorado to then Indianapolis because you could buy lots of property cheap. And right. because the ecosystem of racing in Indianapolis is deep, deep, deep. The engineering level of people that are there for the IndyCar slash cart slash right. LMS or ALMS or whatever, all these acronym race series. American Le Mans series. And because it's central to the United States. So if you have to if you get a race schedule that goes through the United States, you can pretty much pick and choose the spot. Yeah. That is a good place to it's be. It's a three plus hour flight somewhere. Yeah. So that is why they're there. And they've been there probably for 15 or 20 years, something like that. Okay. So I go to the race shop and I knew, I, I knew enough to know that it was going to be epic. And like, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> I, oh. I, I literally. Did you have to sign an NDA again? I, yeah, I just did the other day. How when many I was NDAs do you think you've signed in your life? <laughs> uh, actually... Probably somewhere in the 10. Can you even talk about them? 10 range. Probably 10 now, right? I've had Dang. to sign. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Anyway, right? so yeah, I just signed one of the tracks. I didn't sign one to go in there. They just trusted me that not like see the things that I saw. You passed the first three questions. So I, you I got guess, to come in. Right. Whatever. <laughs> right. Knock, knock, knock. Okay. Right. Have fun storming the castle. So <laughs> I got to see what I knew was there, but it was like tenfold what I thought it was going to be. I bet. Because they've been the factory, it's the drag racing, and then for Harley, they were the flat track team. Oh wow! For the longest time, That's right? So 
they raced the G bike. So some sort of uh, Is that like the chassis acronym. No, I forget what they. It's the engine, and I don't. Oh. I'm sorry, I don't know. Somebody that's Harley person. You know, I think internally they call it G unit. <laughs> yeah, right. So Probably. the water, the liquid cooled 750 cc engine, oh, wow. and they developed it and raced it for a very long time. Hmm. And within the past few years, Harley finally was like, okay, we're done with this relationship, which then allowed Vance and Hines to, and there had been a degradation of the racing, which was still under the control and ownership of uh, this other entity. Mm -hmm. So Terry bought it back. So he now, Terry, I think only, I don't think, I think Byron's involved just because he's a friend. But anyway, I don't know the exact business. It's not my business. Bottom line is Terry now brought it back in in. and then was like, all right, we're racing baggers. And then that over the past couple of years, they developed this team from the flat track team. So the dudes that had to develop the engine that was, I mean, I'm going to say they did an epic job taking what is a horrible turd right. and making it a bitchin' it's, flat it's track engine. It's so interesting to me what they're achieving out of those things. But then, like, you're like, yeah, hell yeah, it's making 160 horses. But hundred and more than that, man. I mean, I guess maybe the first generation of a couple of them, but it's Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'll sure. never forget there was a video, it's still on YouTube, of Zach Quartz writing one. Yeah. Like one of the first generation ones. Probably with his little hee hee. I right? love his hee hee. It's actually <laughs> Ann's favorite thing when I watch he, this. He's really good. But then I like in front him of him is, um, dang it. Probably. Like the number one Harley rider. Um, one of the Wymans. Why, it was. Okay. Kyle, I think. Yeah. So Kyle's writing a Ducat, uh, I'm sorry, a Harley, uh, as I love to call it, a dirt glide. So a Pan America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A okay. Bonestock Pan America with Dunlop. Q yeah. whatever's on it. Q3, yeah, yeah, Q4's yeah. on there. And Zach, who is a very fucking like accomplished writer, is, you know, getting the beans, giving the beans to this thing and also getting a lot of feedback and understanding that it's a big fuck off heavy motorcycle. 620 pounds minimum weight. That's a lot of fucking That's bike to minimum. throw around the way these guys throw them around. It's like, hats off, man. Y'all are amazing. In fact, hats off, especially to Patricia. Yeah. Who is yeah. a tiny human being. I was talking to her last year in Coda, and she was like, yeah, I have a catcher, someone that actually has to catch the bike. Yeah. And she only trusts one person on the team to do that. Yeah. And it's like- I would have a tough- Now that I've, now that I've done it, I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to catch it like that. No, fuck no. 620-something <laughs> pounds coming at you, uh, like hot off the- So it's, it's amazing to me what they're doing with these. But anyways, the whole point of that video is that while Zach is writing it, he is barely keeping up with Kyle, who is obviously an epic motorcyclist yeah. on a bone stock Harley Dirt Glide. And it's like, yeah, so these are badass, but like you can go to the showroom right now and pick up a run of the mill adventure touring motorcycle and it does the thing. Oh, yeah. But what we're not talking about is the physicality of that motorcycle. Can you imagine wrestling that thing around? Well, the, okay, so that's the, the two riders that are involved with this. To get back to however this happened, bottom line is I went to the thing and I was like, I can't make a commitment now. I didn't. I was overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they it's were. A lot. He was basically wanting me like right then. I was like, like sign here or fuck let, off. Let me, let me fly back. So I flew back to Atlanta. Right. I wasn't like <laughs> gonna finish counting this truck. No. What? Also, remember last last that time was the snow apocalypse here. Oh, fuck sake. And I was That's like, right. you know what? I probably would be better off going back to Atlanta. Honestly. Than trying to. Great choice. Yeah. And it was. I it was, was. I was, was very glad. It was hot garbage over no, here. No, it was very good. And then I was able to finish my duties. My rowing machine froze, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a water rower and it, it fucking froze. It's so gross. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I, but anyway, so 
get, get back. And I, I literally landed. And when I landed in, in Atlanta that next morning, I right. was like, I texted him on the airplane. Okay, I'm in. That was it. I was oh, like, shit. Yeah, I was in. Okay. I was like, this spirit is, moved you. I'm a dumb. I'd be dumb not to. I'm so glad. Right. There, that said, there were other things boiling that I can't talk about because there's a lot of people that are trying to go racing. Yeah, of right? course. There's a lot of Ducati stuff going on. And it boy, a would lot. I boy, would I love to be involved with that? Yeah. Because there are so many people that are like, we like technicians and we know that motorcycles are motorcycles. But boy, when you're dealing with Ducatis, is it nice to have a person that already is familiar like with Ducatis? Understands that bike. Right. And yeah. I don't understand a V4, but I certainly know my way around. It's not like when you're working on these things as a chassis technician, do I need to know how to adjust the valves on a Desmo? Right. No. no. But there are so many weird little idiosyncrasies that each type has, which was one of the uh, reservations about working on a bagger for me. So I call my friend TJ. TJ was the AJ of Milwaukee. AJ is the uh, Ducati whisperer around here. Yeah. AJ is old school. AJ and TJ were were co-best Ducati technicians in the nation, still are probably to this day. Yeah. Right? They're they're really, really, really high level. Kevin, T- if you're listening, I think you're the best. Well, you know what I'm saying. You bite right? your tongue cute. Within reason. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? The, yeah. So TJ ended up he was a Ducati Milwaukee. And then ended up working for Harley. Huh. And then because he had also worked for HMC Ducati, which was a superbike team in the late 90s, early 2000s, huh. and had worked on the Pro Thunder team that was down on, on, on. This guy's a storied, high-level racing mechanic, right? He had Then he went to Harley and was just in development. He was, I say just. just. He was He's in, just development in development <laughs> at Harley Davidson, which is, you know, That's like huge. half the motorcycle industry. Right. So... He was doing that, but then would get called up to go do testing and stuff. He couldn't commit to doing like he's like, man, I like my weekends. I don't want to go racing. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but if they're going testing somewhere, he'll go right and he'll go do the testing. So he knows the bike. I'm like, I call him up, I'm like, dude. I've got this thing <laughs> happening. What do you think? And he's like, I'd do it. He's like, absolutely. Oh and shit. He's like, the the bikes are not hard to work on. They're that like removing the engines like six bolts. It's not. That's not the tough. It's not. There's nothing on that thing. That's going to throw you there. You'll be able to do that just fine. What do you think is the tough part of this? What What do you imagine looking forward is going to be the hardship? It's no different. It is. This fucking thing is a super bike. Yeah. It is just a 620 pound double size super bike. Yeah. Like, a, a, I don't know what the weight limit is uh, in uh, Moto America for super bike. Not 625 but I, but pounds. I think it's about 360, maybe <laughs> 380. It's so roughly half. When we rolled the things off the truck. And I'm, I mean, I have to just dive right in. I oh, roll the thing off yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay. And I have to roll it to tech. And when they're cold, you know, brakes are dragging. And man, it was like. I can see you joining what, the gym by your house. What, peak performance. What am I going to do Get those fucking this? deadlifts going. Get some squats going. To be honest with you, I was like, I am super stoked that I own an Africa twin. And <laughs> I've had to push it That's around. Right fully laden yeah like my africa twin with all my with all my every bit of my camping gear heading to texas to go visit my mom in 2020 guarantee you was about that right easily and with the handlebars it's not an easy thing to manage especially with the high right and that was the deal so i was like well these things are low and they are low they're not that high but i was really glad because you know what it actually is complicated to push a bike like that around and have to back it up it and is. do a bunch of... It's not as simple as a the lot of people think. physicality is way right? different. So that was when I was like, oh man, what have I got myself into? <laughs> but but we did. And then especially when they're hot, they're easy to push around. It's not that bad. Everything's but that is up, really moving. it. Other than that, it's it takes tire warmers just as easy. 
they this team they're 17 inch wheels has built yep and then they have built these bikes so well the swing arms are so beautiful i want one of those oh just you wait i want a broken one so bad just, just you wait like oh my god there's so much trickery Ugh. like i would argue that some of the, the electronics are not trick like whereas the arm yeah, one but all was, the parts that are on the bikes the, have to be the, made for the them. parts are all trick right. because they have to be because they're having to make this compromised contraption work and like you can't put a longer swing arm nope. on it you can't put a lot of other stuff they're on chain it. driven right it is yeah. after, but that that's done to it right yeah. it's a belt driven stock so that's you, right that that's complicated there's things that happen that you have to change because of that right so is the motor size because i know when you buy a harley 2150 cc god damn it <laughs> it's like fuck. a one i think they call it the 130 130 or 134 i think whatever it is you can buy an r now, motor from harley but i don't know if that is the 134 well, i was I think, wondering if it was that motor built to spec for yeah because yeah. that motor, if you wanted to, if you can go to your whatever Harley uh, Davidson and be like, "Hey, I want an arm motor," yeah, I'm not like, the one. Yes and no. I right? don't imagine it's the same motor at all. No, I just wonder if there is. But it is anything that. in common. It is that right. You have to have. Uh, this is the interesting part. Stock frame can't even cut brackets off. What? Yes, that blew my mind. How much does this thing flex? Oh, that's what blew my. I was like, "What? How often do you have to change them?" There was like, "I can't, I can't talk." But we can't. Right. <laughs> Bottom line is these things are robust, even though they're. That's a good word. Right? They're robust. And that frame is pretty robust. Yeah. So that it's good. It's I mean, it's designed to fucking fit Jack right? and Jill who that like beer and bread. It. Yep. And so when you think of so all you got that laden bagger. Yep. Riding it. It's like that. Yeah. It's not even. It's barely even noticed. <laughs> like fuel loads go out the window. You're like, hey, do we do we measure fuel load? Normally, fuel load's a big deal. Yeah. As a technician, you've got to make sure right. to know what your fuel consumption is so that you only put as much as you need for what the race. What do you think is the consumption of one of these at I, full tilt? I not I can't comment. But, oh, fuck. I'm really right? curious. But but it's not I don't think it's extreme. It's just it bottom line is they don't have they don't worry about it because the weight isn't as critical. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's not something that we're going to address. And that's part of well, why so there's no fuel load limit like you can you can put no, as much you as you want. No, you have to run the stock tank, I think. Dude, so there's six so gallons. many. There's so, it's five, I think. Is it? So oh my so gosh! Strange rules in this class that they're trying to limit the cost. I of mean, it. it's sort of just started not that long ago, so they're figuring it out right? as they go. But their things are so these these bikes are tricker and more expensive than super bikes. I will tell you. So one of my favorite things to do is my BFF Tamer, and I like to go to T Hill. I the, call uh, Tamer a BFF as well. Well, it can be our BFF. Okay. Yeah. So our BFF Tamer. See, everyone needs a little Egyptian in their lives. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe a, a lot of Egyptian. A lot of it. He's not a little Egyptian at all. <laughs> so my a lot of Egyptian best friend, um, he he and I like to go to T Hill, Underhill, at the quote unquote beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. Carter's does the season opener. It's a two day event. If you want to do both days, Saturday, Sunday. For instance, this is going to be March, I believe, thirtieth and thirty first in twenty twenty four. So we've been going there since his brother passed away because that was his brother's favorite track. And Tamer now owns his brother's uh, 1199 S. And so, by the way, he's gotten so fast in the last two years of track days. Mm. So we go there and it's, you know, typical track bikes. Last year, there were baggers. Like, I'm talking like fucking Jethro and Billy Bob and their regular oh, so road not, glides. Not race bikes no, not testing? race bikes. Like fucking stock off the showroom road glide S models with like these outboard the shocks. Shocks. Yeah. That with the nitrogen canisters. Oh, yep. yeah. With these Olin's yep. big, beefy fuck-off yep. shocks. And the Brembo forks. Yeah. And the guy's or Brembo going, brakes. Yeah. The, the guy's going quick. He's not like... Yeah. Like, I'm like, it's impressive. 
but there was two dudes in these Sons of Anarchy looking, yeah. I don't know, Dina Bros, Dina Bros, yeah. whatever the fuck it's called. And one of them had the thing built. Like he had the R motor in there. He had the forged aluminium wheels on it. He had Olin suspension on it. Like this was a purpose built canyon carver. And he was there in the B plus group and he was giving the thing the beans. I'm on my Street Fighter and I'm following him. I remember at the front straight being like, this motherfucker's going 145 miles an hour. I don't think I've ever been on a Harley that goes that fast. And so I'm in third gear. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah. that was neat. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. But then like But it's when, still of note, right? Super of note. Because when I tailed him for a couple of laps that we did, he was doing the thing. Yeah, he yeah. knee on the ground the whole nine yards. And I was like, check it out. It's affecting the Absolutely. street riders. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I I implore you, if you're in the Pacific Northwest and you're a bagger boy and you want to come to a track day, please come to a motocross track day. I want that. I like the and the thing that I love the more I watch it on the on the racing side is that it changed the scene. I'm not saying I just want to see baggers no, in places. It's I just like seeing yeah. all these other motorcycles. And so it was so much fun to chase down, you know, this this guy on his road glide, which is a beautiful, you could tell this guy spent so much money on this thing. And then this other dude with his ratted out, you know, yeah. whatever the fuck bike. But they were there doing the thing and they were having such a good time. And they had this cool camaraderie because like yeah. among all the Ducatis and BMWs and sure. R1s, there was these three Harleys. And brother, 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 Davidson, triple Davidson. And so I want that. I want to see that on the, on the, you know, on the street track day, regular Joe yeah. Schmo thing. It's good for everybody. It's so eventually good. the likelihood is that they would get something. They'll have that. And they're, they're going to be better motorcyclists. Yep. They're going to be safer motorcyclists, yep. but then they might actually break away from being Harley enthusiasts and be motorcycle enthusiasts yeah, be and buy a dedicated sport bike. Cause exactly. they realize, you know what? Maybe. It's just like me on a Terracorsa. Yeah, I can take that thing off road and have fun in the dirt but. on a Panigale, but it, it stop it, yeah. right? So the same with this. That said, these bikes are effing fast. They're effing fast. And watching what I just saw, I can't tell you a lot about. I can't. I I'm can't sure. Talk I'm sure you it. can't throw out numbers, right? and, NDAs and, and all. Yeah, right. And, and, but they're doing like numbers that you just don't expect of that beast. And it attracted like. So I got to do a test. Like it went from. Wednesday, I was in Indianapolis, and then Sunday, I'm back in Portland. Friday, I'm in another spot yeah, uh, you were at their bouncing test. Around. Then I, that was, so I went. It's to, funny because you were like, "Hey, we're recording on Tuesday." I'm like, "How? <laughs> You're right. all over the place, dude." Yeah, no doubt. And so I just, <laughs> dude, I flew in on Sunday night midnight, and then I'm I'm on the boat at eight in the morning. Wow! Right? It's like I I've had a very tumultuous but extremely good, very rewarding, uh, very happy time. So that is what sets my 2024, is this what I got going on. Okay, so so you're going to be working on the e-boats. The e yep. I'm dying to be in one of those. Okay, um, I can make that happen. Oh, please do. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited to see what an electric, because I've been in, I've ridden electric bikes, I've driven electric cars, and I've never been in an electric yeah. boat to see how that power translates on hydro. Yeah, sure. That's so cool to me. Um, so you're going to be doing that. You're going to be a fly-in mechanic yep, for, fly in. For, for for all the baggers, which apparently is like nine or ten races. Listen, those of you that know Quentin probably understand why I have this tone in my voice. I am so happy and blown away that Quentin fucking Wilson is going to be on a bagger team. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it's so good. It's, it's better than I would have ever imagined <laughs> on every But level. you're not just on any bagger team either. Like you're on the Vans I'm on the, cha the championship Dude. winning team that beat Harley Davidson. <laughs> And that is a huge deal. Ooh, it's and spicy. I, I feel like 
they just bombed Pearl Harbor and they brought me in from like Malaysia. Like, hey, like, we need help here. Oof, and I'm like, oh man, I'm we're not, turning up the heat. We're, oh. We're just started. <laughs> so all my friends that are at Harley, because I do now, interestingly, over of the course. course of years, I have a bunch of friends that are there. It like one of them was like unfriended, right? As soon as he found out, I was like, ah, oh, sorry, man. But it's all good. It's just I'm gonna have to play not politics, but I just have to be careful because fucking Terry Vance is as serious as a heart attack about his racing. I'm sure. And this is an arms race, and these bikes are getting tricker. Yes. And if you can figure out nuances to make them go faster, we're at still at the stage where the curve is such that you can make big blocky changes yeah, and yeah. make them faster. Leaps and bounds right now. Right. And it's going to get to a plateau where then it starts getting in the knitting pick, picking knits. So if I'm going to help them pick fly shit out of pepper with my ways of, of super biking, which I already was able to kind of do a little bit. Right. That was that felt really good. And then I was able to keep for a, quite a long time and a lot of laps, like a surprising amount of laps that these things will go. Amazing. With uh, the gentleman I'm working with is, is named Rocco Landers. Mm -hmm. I can speak to that because that's uh, out there. Yeah. So Rocco is an up and coming fast racer and cool. everything gelled like jello. Nice. So it's, well, like fingers crossed everything's okay. going really okay. well so we're we're going to be at daytona that'll be the first race of the year and then that's in march there's rumors of potentially being at moto gp if they decide to do a exhibition wow. race wow rumors but i'm not sure if that'd that's be cool to go on and then there's rumors of going to europe somehow i've been like, hearing these rumors yeah and i don't know how that'll work but if that happens and they're like hey do you want to go to wherever they're going to go, maybe British Superbike or something yeah. like that at the end of the season after. Oh my God, how cool would that be to show up in Europe, uh, Merca, 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 right? Brother Davidson all over your shirt. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's it's funny having just come back from a Euro trip with Anne uh, last month. There is a true love for Harleys over there. Sure. So I feel like if they did take Germany, the bagger series there. Oh my God, Germany. Oh, the, the Germans love the, the Germans. baggers. Oh my oh, God. Dude, I can't wait. I love I'm so excited, and I love the the prospect of all this. And I think prospect gonna, like prospect. Yeah, brother. Oh, you better have a prospect shirt on too. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother! You are a prospect right now, getting to the team. FNG, more like prospect. For, for those of you who don't know, that's part of their rushing program. That's right. Not Russian. Not Russian. But rushing. rushing. Is it rushing? What do they call that when they're prospecting? Or I don't know. Trying to be part of the club. I'm not a one percenter. Yeah, but there's a name for it. Maybe I'm missing it. Whatever. So email us webraptalk at gmail.com if you know what that shit means. <laughs> Because Quentin and I are way, way too uh, clean cut for that. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're fucking sport bike riders. Like, I'm excited that my friend's going to be in the Brother Davidson <laughs> circle now. So I feel like, listen, as you said at the beginning of the show, you're like the mole. You're, you're in. Yeah. You get to have all this cool and weird info. Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> stoked. I'm super oh. stoked. You better get a pair of wraparound Oakleys. No. Come on. Well, I have those. The some, ones some that I was wearing last year. Pit Vipers. Oh, yeah. That's what I would need. Hell, yeah. I can't. I can't. I am it. buying you a pair of Pit Vipers. Yeah, I did. This past year, I actually had to buy, I had to get contacts for the first time in years because I hadn't been out on a pit lane in the sun it's a for lot. hours on. I mean, Coda like, was insanely it hot. Was and I'm like, I'm going to need to have sunglasses. Yeah. So I'm going to, and I hate wearing, <laughs> like, I have to go get 
prescription sunglasses. I'm like, oh, shit. I have a pair of hater blockers in the car if you want them. You can just put those. Hater blockers? Yeah, you know the ones that old people used to have them in your Mercedes. I did. I have a pair of those. Dude, I think Kevin bought those for me. (laughs) Those are amazing. So I had this. We got to say this. (laughs) I had this Mercedes. It was the Champagne Ghost. The Champagne Ghost. It was like an 08 E350 formatic. Mm. And it was champagne colored, which meant it was the AARP special. It was. And they, I don't know if it was Kevin. Maybe it was AJ. Somebody bought those wraparound. What did you call them? Hater blockers? Hater blockers. That's what Ann calls them. So you put them on and it like <laughs> makes you, turns you into the ARP. and I could speed wherever I wanted Nobody in that looked. car. Nobody, Nobody would looked. pay attention. It was a Q-ship, right? It's I like don't having a motorcycle the with a top case trunk on there. Nobody looks. Dude, <laughs> I lane split so much today on the Africa Twin with that fucking case on the Nobody back. Looks. Like, I just looks respectable. I got one honk and just coming over here tonight on I-205, <laughs> I was doing a little faster than I should have been though. But otherwise, people are yeah, they're kind of getting in line with it but you're right put a put a tank trunk on the back yeah. you're just that's a we just gave that to you for free that's you're a, just a that, klr that's a free one you're just a klr you're just a klr yeah just you just know, cruising it makes like 12 horsepower on a good day <laughs> you're fine you're fine it's got some shinkos on it whatever it's doing the thing by the way if you write a klr that with shinkos on there i love you uh, f- full, you're you are doing you are doing the lord's work as my wife calls it yep i, I think i've always said this and i'll always say it I think everyone in the motorcycling world should ride a KLR at some point in life. It does everything. It just doesn't do them well. And then when you get not, on something that does everything better, no. you're like, oh, that's what I'm like then, supposed then to do. Then you will appreciate. I feel so like you should graduate more. from a KLR. Yeah. If I you want to go adventuring, take a KLR. And get, you need to have the, the what is it, the milk crate on back. Absolutely. The SW Motec milk crates that you guys made for uh, yeah, April Fool's. That was me. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Yeah, that was me. So, all right. Um, I'm going to do this. We We've been recording for only... An hour and 24 minutes. So oh, that's good. Clearly, we've had a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've barely like dug into the surface. It's been so much fun catching up with you. Absolutely. I'm going to say this, as I've always said it. Um, please email us, webraptalk at gmail.com. Uh, obviously, the Instagram page is up, at braptalk. Uh, write to us. I'm curious what your thoughts are. We've been gone for a long time. Let us know what your questions are, if you have any. And if there's any certain things that you're curious about, Q's upcoming whirlwind in 2024 uh, i haven't really gotten into what i've been up to so next episode i'll kind of get into that and then we'll go from there aside from that what do you got to say for our listeners i don't know i just put him on the spotlight yeah i point i'm pointing at him with all four fingers this is like a aggressive I, disney I, point i do not know what to say you don't know what to say I, I'll, I'll tell you a story real quick okay so i had to change the oil in one of these baggers okay and when i i undid the dipstick <laughs> It said it was printed on the dipstick, the level uh, with the bike on its tire. Okay. And then a level with the bike on its jiffy. What? It says it in plastic printed jiffy stand. Jiffy stand. So if you're in the Harley world, a kickstand is a jiffy stand. I'm so happy to know that. So (gasps) jiffy stands up. Jiffy stands up. I like it. As usual. That's that's the only time I will ever say that. I want you that mm, you know what? That might be your trademark uh outro. <laughs> Jiffy stands up, motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean brothers. <laughs> Brother, brothers. Brother, brothers. Night brothers. Well, as usual, uh safety third, make good choices, and uh I've missed all of you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Not for the money and it's not for the applause, no. Uh, Let's put the noise plate, sex, sex, sex.